Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Welcome to You Made Me Watch. This is the podcast where a married couple, me, Mike Bobbitt, and my wife, Allison Bobbitt, go back and forth week after week after week after endless week, (laughs) forcing each other to watch a movie the other has never seen before. And this week, Allison made me watch Where the Heart Is. You made me watch. Why'd you make me watch this? You made me watch something I didn't like. Next time we'll watch something I like. But I can't believe you made me watch. What did you think? What do you think I thought? I thought you liked it. Well, I got news for you. What's that? You thought right. Yay. Actually, no, you didn't. I'm kidding. No, what? You didn't like it? No, I didn't. Are you serious? Yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was right up my alley. You called it 100%. It reminded me a little bit of fried green tomatoes. And I will draw a connection to fried green tomatoes with my trivia for the movie. Mm -hmm. But before we get into my trivia and all that, why don't you give us a recap of what Where the Heart Is is all about? Well, it is um, about a 17-year-old young lady named mm-hmm. Novali Nation um, who is pregnant and her boyfriend who's about the same age, probably a little older. They're Willie Jacks. Willie Jack. They are leaving their small, 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 small town uh, to go to California so that Willie Jack can get a job to help support the baby because uh, apparently he knows somebody or he thinks he can get a job out there. Yeah, he has a cousin that works on a, a train line a train or something. Line, yeah. yeah. And so he's going to go out. They're going to go out there. Um, on the way, the car that they're in has a giant hole in the floorboard. And I've had friends that have had cars <laughs> like that. Yeah. So she ends up losing her shoes while they're driving because she falls asleep and her shoes fly off. And Women be falling asleep in cars. Yes, <laughs> they do. Um, <laughs> so when she goes inside to, uh, they stop at a Walmart. When she goes inside to get the shoes, he abandons her at the Walmart. So she has. Men be abandoning pregnant women. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I hope not. Five is a bad omen for her. Uh, So when her change is $5.55 at the Walmart, she runs out to find she's been abandoned and she ends up living in the Walmart in that town because she doesn't have anywhere else to go and she only has $5.55 to her name. She ends up giving birth in the Walmart and 
becomes a bit of a local celebrity and the town kind of embraces her. She ends up finding friends and a place to stay and gets on her feet. She gets a job at Walmart. (laughs) And it's basically the story of her kind of figuring out her footing after being abandoned to give birth in a Walmart. Um, You know, she she creates her own family in this small town and she you know finds a surrogate mom and a surrogate sister and falls in love and and it's it's very sweet because it's a story of someone who didn't have it easy and still managed to find a way to make it good and yeah you know there's still losses but it's it's a feel good yeah feel good story it's a surprisingly small movie starring Natalie Portman during the peak of all the Star Wars prequel stuff mm-hmm. when she was huge. Oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, this is the last movie she made for a while while she was going to Harvard. Correct. Yep. I mean, aside from the Star Wars movies. Correct. Which, you know. It also stars uh, Stalker Channing as sister husband, who's the surrogate mom. Yes. Ashley Judd as Lexi Coop, who's the nurse in the hospital, who actually is becomes her kind of surrogate sister. Well, let me say this, since you're going through the people real quick. Stalker Channing, we were joking about her being so old when she played Rizzo in Greece. Mm-hmm. She was 34 when she played Rizzo. <laughs> Uh, and while technically she was the oldest of the Angry Bunny, Angry Bunny kids, mm-hmm. most of them were all right around 30. Oh, yeah. A bunch yes. of 30 year olds yeah. <laughs> pretending to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think John Travolta was the youngest one in his late 20s. And That's here's so my funny. connection to Fried Green Tomatoes, which was written by uh, Fanny Flagg, mm-hmm. who was a humorist, author, writer you know just she was like a panelist on game shows and everything really really cool uh she uh plays the nurse in uh greece oh really so, yeah oh, that's so sweet. stalker channing fanny flag connection fried Cute. green tomatoes and ashley judd i think you'll enjoy this trivia do you know that her first acting gig her first acting gig was Two episodes of Star Trek Next Generation. Was it really? Mm-hmm. Noise. Yes. I was a big fan. And tying that into um, this again, James Frain, who plays uh, Forney. Forney, plays Spock's dad in the Star Trek reboot. Yes, that's so, correct. Yeah. He also, he's a British actor. I don't know if you were aware of that. I did know that, yeah. Okay. He, uh, he played Franklin Mott on True Blood. And uh, very recently uh, played a vampire on What We Do in the Shadows uh, as one of the running jokes that they do on that show of casting mm-hmm. people who have played vampires before yes. in sort of like uh, cameos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So keep running down everything. Also, Sally Field has a cameo in this movie as Novalee's mom, like her actual mom. Yeah. Who just shows up at the hospital after uh, Novalee has has made the news for giving birth in a Walmart and literally just shows up to rob her daughter. Yeah. It's so heartbreaking. And it's one of those things, too, that because it's Sally Field's. I'm like, oh, there's no way that she's just in one scene of this movie, Mm -hmm. but she's literally in one scene of the movie. 
Yes. And I think it works so well because you're like, oh, there's no way she's going to yeah. steal her kid's no, no, money. No, no. It can't go this way. And then it does. And then it does. Oh. And it's so sad. Um, That's why in the movie, five is an unlucky number for Novali mm-hmm. because her mom left her for a baseball player who was like number five or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And uh, her mom stole five hundred dollars from yeah. her. Like it, it, it's they also do follow Willie Jack um, because Willie Jack wants to be a country star. Right. Played by Dylan Bruno, who this is kind of funny and kind of shows you how well he played this character. Mm-hmm. He went to MIT. Oh, and wow. worked in robotics as he was trying to break into acting. Interesting. Now, with that being said. He was the second lowest in his class, and he and the lowest guy in the class used to always joke around about how they were fuck-ups. So his career didn't really take off too well on its own, uh, but he made opportunities for himself. He he created a web series called Thumb Runner, which Mm -hmm. was an action comedy that he totally created, directed, acted in. So Hmm. uh, he still does stuff. Uh, just you know, his career didn't really take off like you would have thought it would. Joan Cusack is also in this. She kind of plays Willie Jack's manager. Manager. When you know, he's... in the made-for-TV version, they completely cut out her storyline. She's not in the edited-for-television version at all. Really? Yeah, isn't that odd? That is weird. I thought she was really cool in this. A turn for Joan Cusack that I've never really seen her play before. Yeah, it's kind of like a smarmy ruthless like agent yeah yeah because i remember the first time i saw this i was like why do they follow him like why do they follow his story because it intersects with novelies again yes it does there are so many like little nods to what ends up happening to him as far as trains Mm -hmm. in the movie oh really (laughs) oh yeah like when they're i i think like when they're in the very beginning I mean, aside from the fact that he's supposed to be leaving to work on a railroad, there's like a lot of train sounds Yeah. over oh. over his scenes or when they're talking about him. It's, oh, wow. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. So what ends up happening to him is uh, he gets drunk and uh, falls asleep uh, or passes out at a train yard and ends up uh, losing his legs. Yeah. Train runs him over. Train runs him over. Um, I don't know if this was included in the movie or if it was trivia that I read about the book, but his goal is to get a job in the train yard like his cousin did, who got injured on the job and got like a thumb cut, up, like run over or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he can do the same and also collect a settlement Oh, so he can focus on his music. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Which sounds a lot like something my Florida cousins um, have done. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's always somebody who's trying to take advantage of yeah. workman's comp. There are a bunch of other great actors in this, but one other that I want to point out, because I learned this about him uh, today, the photography mentor, Moses, is mm-hmm. played by Keith David mm-hmm. from The Thing and They Live. Yes. Uh, there's something about Mary. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just has such a great range of doing like thrillers, action movies, comedies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also does a lot of voiceovers for the Ken Burns documentaries. Yeah. And I didn't know this. He's a Tony nominated actor mm-hmm. for the musical Jelly's Last Jam. 
Oh. Like, Keith David can do everything. Do you know what else? Hmm. You guys share a birthday. Really? Yep, June 4th. Oh, that's off- awesome. Yeah. Yay, Keith mm-hmm. David. Yeah. Yeah, the cast of this is really, really phenomenal. It is very good, yeah. The um, only complaint I have with it, which is really a minor one, mm-hmm. it is a lower budget movie. Yeah. Even though you have such a powerhouse of character actors mm-hmm. and Natalie Portman in the lead. Mm-hmm. But it felt a little, um, it didn't feel super cinematic, like the way it was shot. It was yeah. directed by Matt Williams, who created Home Improvement and Roseanne. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just his television background. Um, yeah. And used to trying to shoot things fast. And both those shows are three camera shows. So maybe he isn't used to. One camera. Yeah. A and single camera shoot. The DP director of photography was Richard uh, Greatrex, who also shot A Knight's Tale and Shakespeare in Love. And I don't really remember either of those movies well enough to judge if they were flat or if it was just Matt Williams directing, but I didn't really feel like it was a beautiful to look at movie. Like Mm -hmm. the strength of this movie is the story and the acting. Yeah. It had a very um, like Gilmore girls feel. Okay. Like that, that kind of lighting television show lighting. Yeah. 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 Mainly the reason I want to share this is because of the second person's name. This was written by Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel. <laughs> uh-huh. They are also the writing team behind Splash and A League of Their Own. Oh, nice. It is based on the 1995 book by Billy Letts, chosen as one of the Oprah Book Club selections in 1998. Mm-hmm. Her husband, Billy Letts' husband, Dennis played the sheriff near the beginning of the movie who arrests Willie Jack when he's in the car with the minor. Who, oh, yeah. yeah. Their son is Tracy Letts, who played the dad in Lady Bird. And then Greta Gerwig cast him again in Little Women. Yeah. Uh, he's also like both of his parents, uh, who both of his parents were uh, English professors mm-hmm. uh, and both writers in their own right. Uh, he while he is an actor as well mm-hmm. uh he's also a very famous playwright uh he wrote um august uh yeah he won the pulitzer august osage yeah, county yeah he won the pulitzer for writing that and uh he also has a a really dark it really surprised me when i pieced it together after we saw ladybird that he's the guy who wrote killer joe which i don't remember if you watched killer joe with Mm-mm. me it was adapted into a movie starring Matthew McConaughey, mm-hmm. and it was really kind of infamous at the time because it was a hard NC-17, mostly because there's a scene where Juno Temple is forced to fillet a chicken bone. They had to cut it that scene drastically in order to get uh, an R rating. With that in mind, I think it's very funny that Billy Letts who wrote this movie said this about her son's writing <laughs> compared to hers. Mm-hmm. She said, I try to be upbeat and funny. Everybody in Tracy's stories gets naked or dead. <laughs> okay. Yep. All right. Uh, Tracy lets move to Chicago. Uh, their family's from Oklahoma, like where 
this story takes place. Mm-hmm. And he got his start at the Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, where his dad was also an actor. Nice. Yeah. Oh. I would like to talk a little bit about the differences between the book and the movie. I enjoyed this so much that I think I'm going to pick up the book. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I, um, Ashley Judd is so good in this. She's great. She. um, I always forget how good of an actor she is. Yeah. I mean, I know she hasn't done a lot lately. Apparently. She had a hard time getting roles because of the whole Weinstein thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fucking bullshit. Like, because she is an amazing actor. Talented actor from a very talented family Mm -hmm. of, you know, creators. Her mom and her sister were the Judds. Yes. You know, her mom, unfortunately, who passed away. away. Uh, Ashley Judd also became quite a bit of uh, an activist. She did, which I think is really awesome. Yeah. But she's so good in this. She has to deliver a pretty heart-wrenching monologue. Um, Essentially, her character is one who, um, you know, she's she wants to find a good man. She has, you know, she has kids and she hasn't been able to find a, a father figure for them who's worthwhile. And there's a guy that she meets that she's thinks might be the one and it turns out he's a child molester and molests her son and molests her son and who that actor by the way went on to uh be in hannah montana oh interesting (laughs) okay and i was looking at his Mm. credits and i was like huh didn't really seem to be anything really huge even though like i mean i'm definitely not the target audience for a lot of the stuff that he did he did mm-hmm. a lot of those like disney channel things and yeah stuff. yeah but um he was on like one season of dancing with the stars and i'm oh. like man they really use the term stars loosely yes <laughs> they do uh but yeah she has um like two of her kids um a boy and a girl um he uh, victimizes them and you don't really know what's happened initially because one of the kids calls Novali and she just runs over there and this guy has beat the shit out of Ashley Judd yeah and you know she's like all right you're just gonna come live in my house with me you know bring all the kids and you know once all the kids are sleeping Ashley Judd's out on the porch and she confides into Novali and tells her what's happened. And she does it. She's kind of pulled back, you know, until mm. the very end when she finally kind of lets go. She has to really give a lot of information about what happened yeah. in a short amount of time. And in a way that is incredibly believable where your heart is just broken for her and for her children. And she has to do something that I think no parent wants to have to say is I, how do I explain to them why this happened to them? Mm -hmm. And now that I am a parent watching this movie, I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, how do you, how do you ever explain to your children why something bad happens to them? Your number one job as a parent is to keep your child safe. Yeah. And she felt like she really failed her kids because this guy that, you know, as she says in the movie, 
probably sought her out. Yeah. As, yes, this is exactly the kind of woman that I will be able to, you know, recognize her kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, it's so heartbreaking, but yeah, she's uh, so good in that scene. Mm-hmm. And Forney, who, you know, is kind of the de facto librarian. His sister is the librarian, but she is a, um, unfortunately, a terrible alcoholic. So he lives in the library, which is a house. You know, yeah. it's a small town. So the downstairs is the library. The upstairs is where they live. You know, he meets Novali when she comes to look at a book and uh, becomes a fixture in her life. Um, Because she's gifted a tree and she needs to know how to take care of the tree when it starts to die. Yeah. Which that kind of... Oh, go ahead. I really, really enjoy him in this. I'm not super familiar with James Frain's body work. It is... This role is so different from the normal stuff that he plays Mm -hmm. that I was just stunned and had a hard time wrapping my mind around it. Yeah. You kept saying like, this is so weird. He's usually a bad guy. Yeah. Like he looks so elegant and sinister in stuff, but in this one, he kind of looked like 1980s Michael Stipe. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. He looks so harmless and just seems, you know, yeah. Tall, gangly, and harmless. Yeah, just very gentle. And yeah, it's so funny that you're like, oh no, he's normally like very sinister and scary. Yeah, like like if you were to look at like a group photo of a picture of a bunch of people, you probably wouldn't even notice him at first. And then you would have to be like, where are you in the picture? And he would go, that's me in the corner. God damn it. (laughs) He's. But he's he's very good in this. Um, I'm a big fan of myself. You are, aren't you? Um, And I do think that he and Natalie Portman have really good chemistry. I do, too. The age difference is, uh, you know. It's a little questionable. I think I didn't realize it until this watch where I was like, oh, he's like way older than she is. Yeah. Because she's 17 when he meets her. Right. But I mean, in real life, the actors, too, like. Are there's a big age difference? Yeah, I, I she's think it's in her like sixteen years, maybe. Yeah, because she is actually quite young. I think she's I what think she's twenty. Like Nineteen when this was made. Yeah, I because it was like her first year of college. Yeah, I was gonna say like nineteen twenty. Because he, she also, you know, asks him like, "Oh, you know, I, I heard that you know you're you were at college," and he's like, "Oh, yeah, like nine years ago, I was away at college," and you're like. So he was 18 nine years ago, and that's if he had to leave college as a freshman. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's a little, you know, the age the age gap is a little questionable, but it's also five years before anything happens between right, the two exactly. of them. So. They have a very non-sexual but loving relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's... It's him caring incredibly deeply for her and her daughter because he is actually the person who busts into the Walmart to help her deliver her baby. So yep. they they have a, a meet cute. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good segue into the differences between the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. In the book, they do have a little bit more of an established relationship. 
mm-hmm. before that happens. In the movie, they interact once when she's looking up yeah. information about trees. In the book, the tree is given to her by a uh, Native American kid named Benny Goodluck. And he's completely missing from the movie, which yeah. I think is really unfortunate. It's actually a picture of him that wins her the photography award, oh. where in the movie, it's a picture of her daughter, Americus, that gets her the award. Some of the other differences in the, this is a minor one. I'm not even sure why they changed it, uh, except for the book takes place over the span of seven years. And her, she's obsessed with the number seven in the book, mm-hmm. where in the movie, like you said, she's obsessed with the number five. Yeah. The book also stresses the fact that she gets an education she ends up going to community college to learn photography mm-hmm. and doesn't instantly become a working photographer. Uh, in fact, after the tornado tears down, uh, it comes in and tears down sister husband, uh, Stockard Channing's character's mm-hmm. uh, home and kills Stockard Channing. It, it also tears down the Walmart. Novalee's given inheritance from. Yeah, from sister husband. Sister husband. But it's not enough to just go into being a photographer like she still ends up having to work at the next walmart which is like an hour away but she ends up commuting and this is something that i really this is the reason that i really want to read the book uh the ending Mm -hmm. it's more ambiguous than the movie the movie ties things up in a a very nice bow Mm -hmm. uh where you find out exactly what's going to go on with the characters um so the book is a lot more ambiguous. Novali does visit Willie Jack after he loses his legs, and he does confess that he felt the baby's heartbeat at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, but he lied to her and explains he has a, book, a speech in the book like he does the movie about having to live with a lie yeah. that's so big that you just wish you had a second chance to make things right, mm-hmm. which in both versions of the does inspire her to contact Forney. In the movie, she goes and finds him at school. Uh, because his sister dies uh, in both sources. Yeah. Um, in the book, the library burns down. Um, oh, wow. But he doesn't go to school. He just moves away. Mm-hmm. And um, so she has to track him down. And she finds him in Chicago. And it sounds like they have a phone call where she tells him, yes, yeah, she does love him. Because in both versions, he confesses his love to her. And she says she doesn't love him back that way. But then she calls him and um, she tells him she does love him, but thought that he deserves someone better. And he reassures her that there is nothing better than her. So she loads Willie Jack into the car and prepares to take him home, but has to wait out a storm before getting on the highway. And she spends the time reflecting on her life and the connections that she's made since being abandoned at the Walmart all those years ago. I think the reason that I want to read the book is summed up best by this quote when I was doing research for the movie that I found on a website called Commas and Ampersands. Uh, and this is from Sarah Taviani, who created that website. Uh, she said, to my mind, Billy Letts didn't create a story about Novali Nation growing up, raising a child and finding love with one man. For me, the novel was about Novali finding that so many people could love her and her child unconditionally and she doesn't have to change herself to be worthy of love 
Her relationship with Forney may have been the turning point in her realization, but it certainly wasn't what made the novel so powerful. And that's, that's why I want to read it because it is about finding it's, it makes me realize that where the heart is, is a lot like the fast and the furious franchise. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because it's all about finding family. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um <laughs> jesus christ yeah oh which also reminds me there is a scene cut out of where the heart is uh where uh they have to get nos <laughs> oh my god <sighs> how dare you i think i do like the way that the movie ends um i mean the ambiguity of of a book i think works in that form more so uh as opposed to like in a film yeah especially one kind of like this one the the way that it was interpreted anyway i like that it ends with she and forney get married in the walmart <laughs> yeah uh which is sort of cute but i like that she and forney get married because i feel like she has this whole family already and the cherry on top is that she finds her partner too yeah you know normally i like ambiguous endings in movies more so than in books Mm -hmm. like i really love it when a book will do kind of like a an epilogue and tell you what happened to all of the characters but (laughs) in this case i like the idea of uh, ambiguity so yeah i I don't know either way have a movie that i absolutely loved and I cannot thank you enough for recommending it. It's a movie I didn't know anything about. Thank you, Allison. Yeah. You, um, it turns out you do know me after all. <laughs> I'm glad I finally found one that didn't totally suck. <laughs> um, but it turns yeah. out that the real flip flops were the friends we made along the oh way. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you liked it. Finally. This is one that actually one of my roommates in college was like, oh, have you ever seen this? And I was like, no. And I watched it and I was like, this is so good. Like, this is such a good movie. And um, yeah, I I haven't watched it like a million times or anything like that. But every time I would like see it like on TV or something or I don't know if it ever came like if I saw it on like Netflix or something streaming, I'd be like, oh, yeah. And I would watch it because it's. Even though a lot of bad stuff happens in it, it still makes you feel really good at the end. Yeah, I I don't think I would have called it a romantic comedy, but no, yeah, no, which it's is like how you, you said. yeah, which is how you described it last week. But I did because yeah. I was like, I don't know what to call it. It's like it's I guess it's like a drama, sort of a drama, yeah, uh, independent slice of life. Yeah, which you know. That is a genre of film that you have introduced me to a handful of, and I have really enjoyed them a lot. Garden State, I know I gave you crap about that last week by saying, yeah, I thought it was fine. Uh, but um, <laughs> I really liked yeah, it. I, I like Garden State a lot as well. Yeah. And Lars and the Real Girl is a movie I discovered through you, and that is a fantastic movie. Yeah. So I think if you try to pick from that well a little bit more... You'll find more Uh, movies that I actually enjoy instead of going for your mm, fucking Hugh Grant bullshit. Listen, the problem is, is that all the really good movies we watched before we started doing this podcast. So (laughs) 
it's not that I have bad taste. It's just that I've already made you watch a ton of movies <laughs> before we started doing this podcast. So knock it off. Well, it may be recency bias, but of those three that I have named, I feel like I like this one the most. Oh, good. I think this one is probably the one that's the most up your alley. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait for next week. I hope I do not let you down and make you watch another movie that uh, was upheld for its... uh, feminist values and it turns out to be a sexist piece of shit (laughs) (laughs) with shoulder pads and naked vacuuming oh i guess we'll find out yeah all right right. well thank you everyone so much for listening to you made me watch for allison and myself keep being awesome and uh don't abandon people at a walmart that's just rude yeah it's rude as hell man okay bye-bye bye